Gang's all here, plus one. Hey, hi, guys. What's I, up? Sometimes I count as plus two, but it depends on everybody's perspective. James Kinesis, <laughs> you can all. <laughs> the unmistakable. He's nice. Three sounds of James Cadiz. What's up, James? Brother James. Yo. Nick's here. Say hi, Nick. What's going on? The long lost prodigal son, Scott, has returned. Hi, Nick. What's up, Scott? <laughs> hi, Nick. Fuck you. <laughs> Feeling better, Scott? Yeah? Yeah, I'm like 90% there. Still yeah. still exhausted. Still got the cough going on, but I'm alive. I'm sorry I died. Yeah. I missed a lot of fun. Well, you know, that uh, COVID can kick your ass, man. It's some serious shit, man. It's the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you missed yeah. some really good impressions of you that we did. Oh, oh yeah. No. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you're you're gonna enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll listen to well, it. I think tonight. we all we all took a turn. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> That's not good at all. Then there's Devin. Devin's here. Hi hi Devin. Hi, Nick. Oh my god. Hi James. <laughs> Devin, what's cracking, kiddo? What's crack a lacking? It's all good, man. What about you? What are you we doing? Really we don't really care about Devin. Rob, how you doing? Oh, perfect. The, I am the well. I am doing well. Um, and and yourself, Dan. How are oh, yeah. you? I don't know. I you really don't know. don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm here. Yes. So Wor- and words will be said, and we words, will see. Words. Hopefully, they make sense. Yeah. Um, but they will be said. So In we're going to start this. Order. Oh my god. Oh my god. Goes, I'm sorry. There goes another kitten. Dan, oh, can I make a suggestion? Sure. Since Rob is allergic to cats, what if we kill a hippie every time he crosstalks? Oh, that's a no, great idea. No, that would be bad because you'd be the first one to get killed. I'll, I'll stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be on the endangered species that's not, list. That's not, that's not nice, bro. It's those guys on your wanna, field that would get I'll, slashed. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay, I can. I'm, I'm game, man. I, I just like the the mental image of God killing a, a kitten. Let's get on with it, guys. Did anybody do anything cool this week? Dude, I did, but right. not until right before our recording today earlier. But throughout the week, I just had my normal run of simming and uh, um, wishing I could go outside and fly. We had the polar vortex that everybody heard about number two so far this season. Um, and that sucked ass, so I didn't really get to fly outside. I did another forceful outside Oxy-2 flight the other day, um, but again, it was short-lived, you know, so really just a lot of sim time this week. Um, I did uh, 
get the uh, uh, the Goblin 570 off the shelf. Thanks again, James, by the way. Um, I was able to fly that today because it was in like the mid to high 30s, which for me is like might as well be spring, right? So I took it out, flew a couple packs, and had a great time flying outside, finally getting a little big air. So that was good. Um, but um, yeah, just uh, just trying to not uh, shelve the hobby completely all week, you know. And so just probably had six, seven hours of sim time and, um, you know, trolling around YouTube, checking videos and stuff. And um, that's about it. That's that's my heli, heli world for the week, I guess. Um, I uh, d did a preliminary on my taxes and found that uh, after I do all the math, I'll probably come out with like a couple hundred bucks. So <laughs> they, <laughs> that's always yummy. Um, so um, I'm not going to buy anything major with any tax money at all, but uh, we'll see after the uh, after the hump and getting all that Fill out of the your way. your gas tank maybe? Yeah, maybe. Go go to McDonald's. No, I won't go there. That's expensive too, man. I know, I know, right? <laughs> there goes your $200 return right there. Gas and McDonald's? You're fucked. Yeah. You know, it's funny though. I looked at that, you know, when I looked at the math on that, I'm like, oh, this sucks. But then I looked, I got a little perspective because I just looked north in that math problem all the way to the top. And my adjusted gross income is considerably higher than it was the year before. Not a huge, not like double or anything crazy like that, but it's definitely more than I would have tried to bank on for a return. So it's, it's not like I'm trying to live, you know, a lot of times people get into this annual cycle where this time of year comes around and they're hoping for, oh, I can't wait till I get this money. And then that means this problem is solved or something. And I'm kind of not in that place anymore. And in a, probably a few years when I don't have defendant or dependents, you know, it's going to be different, you know, so I'll have to rework my game here. But um, as it relates to the heli world, I try not to attach needing to suck off the government's tit in order to have fun with my hobby. So. <laughs> That's how that goes. What the temperatures get down to for you? Uh, the lowest it got was like minus 24, oh 26 or something like that, one or two of the nights. Uh, there was supposed to be, I said in the last episode, it was supposed to get super cold and then snow uh, and then get super cold again, right? And that by the time people heard it, I'd be coming out of that first super cold and it would be snowy. It didn't snow. It just stayed cold. It just got less cold. <laughs> so I didn't even... <laughs> get to use that day for anything really um so but uh yeah spring fever is just killing us killing me man i gotta do yeah. i gotta get out gotta get out all right who's next scott what have you been up to for the last couple of weeks other than recovering from the uh covid19 why did you take everything I did in the past month off my plate right there <laughs> just put it right out there for everybody that's, it. that's all i got i that's mean all you got. I'm still I on the no fly list. The rib yesterday. You didn't yeah. uh, buy anything in a in a delirium state. It's weird, man. When I got this sick, like I didn't do anything. I I didn't do car stuff. I didn't do heli stuff. I didn't buy anything. I just sat. This is terrible. I like, get it. I'm happy. I'm just I'm a slug. It sucks all the energy right out of you, man. You can't do anything. Yeah, I'm just like a lump of something on a, on the couch. It's ridiculous. Or in bed. Well, you, Ray of Sunshine. We'll just move on then. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> we're glad you're back, if that counts for anything. Well, thank you. Aww. Yeah, it's good to hear you back, dude. Yeah, welcome back. Devin, did you do anything? Uh, let me I, guess, you worked on your truck. Uh, well, no, because my truck is driving again. So, Still? And you worked yeah. on it? 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that hurts a little bit. A little Just bit. A little? Deep, 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 real deep. Like in my groins, it hurt a little bit, you know? Your groins? <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> Wait, you have more than one. <laughs> Down in the loins. Yeah. Um, no, I actually went flying this weekend. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dude, it I was went... cold out this weekend. Not, not yesterday, on Sunday. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I will tell you, it was really, really, really fucking cold. It was so cold. It was cold as shit on Saturday, too, man. Uh, when, what was it? I was just sitting around. I was like, oh, we should go flying. And I stepped outside, and I, I got in the process of opening the door and went, yep, there goes that idea, and closed the door. <laughs> it, it was like negative 14 with a windshield here. It was so cold. That reminds me of that. Uh, I, I don't know where I saw this on Facebook. I'm sure somewhere, but it's a picture where a guy opens his front door and you just see one cat paw like in the snow, like the print. And it says decision made. It's just like, no, nope, not <laughs> doing it. <laughs> That's good. Exactly. <laughs> but I did get to go flying yesterday because I needed to get some more miles on my truck to get it all broken in. So I went flying, got some flights in and uh, sick. Se- slowly securing my new year's resolution of doing reversing pure flips so and reversing maneuvers so there we go that's on yeah. the way and i uh, just had a good day yesterday what okay, about uh did you get your flash up to some higher head speeds yeah yeah he's like that, yeah i'm gonna yeah. do it up yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. No, i put a 12 tooth pinion on it so it's capable of getting to 2,600 now. <laughs> Damn, dude. Oh boy. And what's the highest you flew it? Uh, the highest I'm going to fly it right now is 2,200. And how is it there? It's fast. It's really fast. But it flies really good. So I'm just, I'm just waiting now because I, I've gotten told actually this morning that i have all the parts to get a second one together on the way so i'll have two for getting prepared for the release coming up shortly so i will have two to bring to events with me so that'll be good and this one i'm gonna i'm gonna do as a little i'm gonna do this second one as a little bit of a budget friendly like you know not top of the line motors the biggest motor you can put in it and all that i'm just gonna go for an and pretty average build and uh that way people can see it instead of the monster that i have right now that's cool dude yeah, yeah that'll be that sweet. is cool because the one that i have right now is just it's it's stupid i put a 45 30 in it and it it really doesn't give a shit what you do to it it doesn't care and that's not what everyone's looking for so i'm gonna step it down maybe uh 45 25 maybe a little bit smaller if i want to and go for a more standard build that is probably going to be more towards the average of what people will put in the heli so they can see that as well yeah for sure that's man. Awesome, man that's smart yeah i tell you what though having a video of that thing at max power with like just some smack on it would be pretty rad even be- you know before you dumb it down because people can see the potential of that thing because basically i don't know it's tough to get you to be super descriptive devin but listening to you over the last few episodes i'm getting the impression that this flash machine is a just a gnarly beast right and that you could 
beat the piss out of it and it would oh. just come down like you got more you know and so even if it, you know you bring it to you bring it down a little bit to see you have it at the extremes would be a pretty pretty rad share i gotta say well i think i might do a couple of event specials where um i'll do a little bit of my hf style and see yeah because well, everyone knows that when I go to an event, my Oxy 5HF, which is a meg, it, sing, it swings 625s. Right. I am flying at 3,000 on the head. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes, dude. 3,000. Yeah, man. Yes. And it's awesome. So I won't go that extreme with the Flash, but maybe the Flash will see a flight of like hmm, 25, 26. Yeah. For potential, you know? Yeah, and uh, and then I'll tone it back down to twenty two, the more standard, not crazy, because it is a seven hundred. So, right, right. But yeah, I'm super excited. Just preparing, getting flights on it, getting ready for events coming up here soon. Dude, that's really cool. And like Nick said last episode, I too, and I think lots of people are super excited to see um that uh, the flash coming back like that. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I like it. It's a reminds me so much of the Oxy Five. It's it's scary. It's just swing seven hundreds is a little bit more stable, so it's great. Awesome. How about you, Nick? What have you been up to this week? Well, I didn't buy anything, and uh-huh. actually, I did the opposite. I asked for a refund on something, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't sim, uh, but I flew. Which was oh awesome. Yeah, I got uh, back from a business trip from Boston on Thursday, and then Saturday I took my son to the field uh, for like, I don't know, four hours, something like that. We got lucky. We got a beautiful, like, it was supposed to be like 45 and breezy, and in the end it was 50 and not much wind at all, so it was awesome. Um, so I got a chance to sort of knock some things off the heli to-do list, which was great. Uh, the first was to finally remaiden the repaired uh, logo 700 and the maiden didn't quite go to plan oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know i i, I pulled it up and uh, you know you kind of you know, like you never really know after a repair right like is there going to be a weird vibration did you miss something so you know you sort of tentatively spool it up and just leave it at zero pitch on the ground and i'm like all right it's not shaking there's no weird vibrations you know nothing's obviously bent everything seems fine so i pick it up into a hover and tracking's just off a skosh just a tiny bit but no big deal um and it seems fine so i start flying it around a little bit and i flip it inverted and then it makes a really weird noise and i'm like yeah like it's bogging or losing power or something so i flip it upright and i start feeding in just a little bit of negative um not really quite understanding what's happening at this point thinking i'll just land it and then figure out what's going on i thought honestly that it, it had eaten the main gear somehow um that maybe there were a few teeth on the main gear that weren't good after the little, you know, spool up crash. So I go to settle it in for an auto and I I wasn't quite aggressive enough at getting it down because I didn't think the problem was as bad as it was. And so it kind of dropped about the last 18 inches, two feet. And uh, I broke a skid, uh, but that was it. I pretty much had zero head speed when it dropped. So uh, I broke a skid. There was one other thing. Oh no, there wasn't. So all I broke was the skid, so everything was fine. The brand new blades were fine. Thank God. If I had like broken yeah. another set of seven seventeens, I would have been. I would might have cried. Um, Especially but, on uh, the first flight like that, just right off the bat. I, I, 
I almost put some like crappy old blades I had on there first just to make sure everything was good. I probably should have. Anyway, so get it on the bench and I'm going like, is everything okay with the ESC? Like, why did I lose power? What's going on? And you know how it goes at the field. Everybody kind of crowds around your crash helicopter trying to help you figure out what's wrong. Uh, and it turns out the one-way bearing was gone. Um, you could, you know, hold the main gear and spin the rotor head in either direction and nothing happened. So, Oof, duh. Been there, uh, done so, that. Yeah, so my guess is the one-way had most of the way gone in the initial spool-up crash. And then it worked enough to get the thing in the air, and then it gave up. So <laughs> I went ahead and ordered a new main gear just in case, a new one-way, and a new set of skids. That's already shipped from Mikado USA. So uh, hopefully we'll get this thing back in the air. So, you know, as far as crashes go, pretty tame. You know, well, Nick, pretty I, inexpensive. I do have to say congratulations to you, though, because you did not destroy it when that happened. I know there are some people out there that would just go into brown alert mode, which is good that you didn't. So props to you for little damage. Brown yeah, alert, I mean, it, the sound was like, something's horribly wrong. You should land now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good indicator. Good indicator that something was wrong. So what else so, did, you did you get all spooked after that, or you, were you done? No, well, it's funny, because I'm also testing a pair of uh, Flywing helicopters for some HeliDirect videos. And there's a scale helicopter from Flywing, a Huey, and I have the new Flywing 450v3. Uh, in my possession. And these are kind of these hybrids between, they use the H1 flight controller and they're kind of hybrids between the, uh, like a drone, um, you know, it has all kinds of GPS modes and things and a helicopter. You can fly it in, you know, full 3D mode and stuff. So they're meant to kind of, they're, they're gap bridgers, I guess you would say. So anyway, I've been playing with those and there's, I don't want to get too deep into it, but there's some weird settings when you're using a different transmitter instead of the ready to fly one. Um, so I was having some trouble getting the ESC to unlock and spool up. So like, I stuffed the 700. The Flywings are giving me a lot of grief. And I'm like, man, I haven't flown in forever. Like, I just need some good vibes. So uh, I threw the Puma up and got a, a couple of flights on that. And that flew great. So that was fun. I kind of redeemed the day at that point. Uh, so after that, uh, Sean shows up, Sean Hall, with his uh, TV70 uh, to Maiden. So got to take oh. a look at the Align TV70 up close. Um, I mean, it's definitely a good looking helicopter. Uh, it it definitely harks similar to some other helis in terms of appearance, but I, you know, like I said, a lot of helicopters tend to look the same uh, after a point. But you know, looking at it up close, uh, build quality certainly seems very good. Um, you know, the finish on the components looks great. I was impressed overall with the helicopter. The canopy is—I was a little afraid because the two front cyclic servos are horizontal in their layout that the canopy would look kind of wide from the front, and it does, uh, much like the Goblin, you know, five seventy with that wide canopy that's sort of a bulb at the top. But uh, it's a good-looking bird. What was amazing about it is, you know, Sean pulls it up in a hover on the Maiden, and holy crap, that has to be the quietest 700 I have ever not heard. Uh, like, huh. super quiet gear train. Like, by a factor of, I don't know, 20, 30% quieter than your average 700? I was, nice. I was stunned when it, when it got up into a hover, so that was cool. And we're going to talk about this uh, in the news uh, a little bit. But uh, if you've been paying attention to what's going on with the line, there's an issue with the pulley on some of these early kits, which is one of the ones Sean has. And Sean did some faster thinking than I did uh, when his helicopter did something funny. And I'm pretty sure he was also inverted at the time and managed to successfully auto his down when the pinion let go and was slipping on the motor shaft. So Oof, that sucks. So he saved his maiden with a very nice auto uh, that was very timely. So. Good job uh, on you, Sean, there. And we'll talk about uh, that issue a little bit later in the news. 
Um, but like I said, you know, it was a very cool looking helicopter. Like I said, the sound is is amazing. Yeah, I bet. I've heard that thing like um, seen. Well, I okay, I've seen some videos. Um, like I think Danny Zabel was flying one in overseas and just bring it up into a hover. And I know what you mean. At least on video, it was really quiet. And then the guy turned it up, and it was just like Whoa, just roaring, man. So I guess too bad Sean didn't get a chance to really like bang on it. I suppose next time, huh? There's always next time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure once you know the pulley thing gets resolved, um, we'll get to see some some knockdown drag out flights on it. So the thing I couldn't quite figure out though is how they shaved a pound of weight off of this thing because apparently it's like 10 something pounds ready to fly or something like that. It's it's a pound lighter than the average 700 ready to fly and you look at it and you can't figure out where they they where they shaved the weight like the at least at you know quick glance just looking it over the head seems beefy and the tail does and nothing looks you know cheesy or that they scrimped or cut too many holes in parts. So I, I don't really honestly know how it's a pound lighter, but it is. It's a very light helicopter for sure. So other than that, man, you know, it was just a great day at the field. My son was having a ball driving his uh, RC car all over the place. Thomas Mabry was out and brought his dog who loves to chase RC cars. So my son had a ball <laughs> playing with Thomas's dog. Um, and he was driving, you know, my RC car, Thomas's RC car. So Thomas took a very tired dog home and my son was very happy to, to get to do all that. So, man, it was it was that was the thing I needed, man. Just a, a great Saturday at the field. I've been out of town nonstop. Uh, I'm in Kansas City now. Uh, got here today, so it was good to get home for a couple of days and get out and fly. And then other than that, I've just been kind of, I don't know, I, uh, thinking about a nitro. So doing some early, early research there and trying to decide what I want to do, but thinking about it. That's Ooh. all I got. That'd be great. Yeah, and then dude. you can do a gasser. And a gasser. No. Natural no. Natural progression. That'll never happen. It's Once you get the selection. fluids on your hands, it soaks into your blood and gets into your was, brain. I think I remember you saying you'll never get a nitro, too. Just no, saying. I've never said that. I've definitely said, know. like, I don't know if I would. And I think nitros are cool. But I don't think I've ever said never to nitro. <laughs> so my week has been not good. I just uh, longingly have looked at helicopters and maybe caressed a couple of them very gently. and. Um, said soon boys soon <laughs> our our um i don't know it's the only kind of free day i had was sunday and i had to actually work sunday but saturday was just miserably cold and it's just um i guess it's that time of year so i don't really have anything new on the front i was um i'm still kind of in this i need to get that 580 nitro finished I'd like to get that thing ready to go. I got everything I need for it. I just need the time and, more importantly, the energy to do it. Uh, after it's just been a killer few weeks at work. That's such a lame excuse, but it's just the way it is right now. Hopefully that changes. So I don't have anything new to report. Didn't buy anything. Didn't really fly anything. I suck again. No fly. Duh. No fly. No, oh, no, we suck again. Yes. Hey, you gotta at least get the sim out, dude. You could do that from your couch. No, I couldn't, but I appreciate oh. your enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, what have you been up to, man? It's been a while. Oh, my goodness. Uh, bro, a lot. 
uh, since the last time I was on the show. Um, actually, this is kind of interesting. I'll be pretty brief about this side of it, but life has changed dramatically yet again. Uh, some of you guys, well, you guys know this. I don't know how much our listeners know, but um, by God's grace, a few years back, we adopted two girls um, at the time that they came into our lives. Um, my oldest daughter was about two years, 10 months old, and her little sister, their biological siblings, little sister was 19 days old. So we got them and boy, it, it has been an amazing couple of years. We love these girls a lot. And so a little bit of a story, and this will go to what I'm about to say, um, I have, uh, our radio show is 700 radio stations across the country. I mean, we have lots of listeners, um, on the church side and, uh, in media, you know, we have a, we have a pretty large media footprint. And so, um, I had dedicated a show, I don't know, I want to say probably maybe nine months ago, I did a show on the radio that where I just basically said, Hey, look, it was a one liner in one of my radio shows. And I just said, look, if you are a, a woman that's out there that's thinking of uh, the possibility of uh, getting rid of your baby, call us at the church office and my wife and I will adopt your baby. So a courageous woman uh, called our bluff from out of state and it wasn't a bluff, but you know, she called us out of state. We got the attorneys involved. We vetted the whole thing. And a few months later, we were out of state witnessing the birth of our little son. Uh, pretty amazing. We adopted him uh, about three months ago, three and a half months ago, and named him after my father who passed last year. So um, it's yeah. been a season. And so we have a new addition to the Cadiz family. And that has been an absolute blessing. I mean, uh, what a season it's been. And, you know, we've been very, very busy. But one of the things that's interesting is um, I, the hobby for me is pretty important. And it's important because uh, everything that I do is such high speed. I mean, we deal with all kinds of things. You know, you're talking about death all the time and all kinds of crazy political things and all the other nonsense that goes with the ground. And I just think it's fun and important to do something where you can kind of get away and just really concentrate with a lot of brain power on something and just enjoy it. And I have loved taking my daughter to the flying field. So uh, unlike a lot of you guys that are on the East Coast, I've been flying every week for the most part without fail. And the last um, probably month and a half, it's been really hard out here in Southern California because we're dealing with um, like just completely clear days and the sun kind of shines on the heli a little bit. So it kind of makes it hard to see. And we're dealing with 60 degree weather. So it's a little rough out there, but you know, hey, it, it works out <laughs> Such a dick. I know you're not supposed to say that to a pastor, but you're a dick. I'm, I'm a yeah. warm weather one. That's right. Yes, yes, I am. Um, and it, it, it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, we've really been enjoying it. It's, it's been a great time. I am backlogged a little bit, but this is the year that I'm determined to build all of my helicopters that are on the shelf. And the problem that I've had is I, I think that the way that I can solve the problem with having so many unbuilt helis on my shelf is to buy a few more. <laughs> it's, just, it's stupid. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, Black Friday, I ended up buying one of those um, three-bladed KSC Krakens, you know, that didn't come to me for another couple months. And, and I got that. And hopefully that gets built in the next few months. But the thing that I think Nick is really, really going to love, which by the way, Nick, the last few of your videos, man, they've been pretty good, man. The, the, uh, 
the motor uh, bearing uh, shaft replacement. It was, it was a good video. Anyway, um, uh, the th- oh, and by the way, can I also just say this for the record? The Nick Maxwell video, worth every stinking dime. You did a good job with the pr- post-production and all that stuff on there, Nick. I just have to tell you that. That video is great. Uh, and I've, I've been building helicopters for a long time. And first, probably, I don't know, 12 minutes, I learned a lot of things that I didn't even think of or really know. So really good stuff. So uh, I got that. And then uh, you're going to love this, Nick. I bought a gasser. And I've always what? wanted to buy a gasser. Why? I Why? Did. I bought a whiplash. Your poor daughter is going to have to hear that. I, dude, I called Kerry Shirley. I had about an hour conversation with him. And um, Brandon Lee sold me just an incredible deal. He gave me an incredible deal on his um, uh, TRM that it wasn't even out of the box. He gave me a great deal. And I also bought his break-in stand from him that he only used once, the one that Kerry Shirley designed and built with Doug and all that. So uh, I have that, and I can't wait to build that thing. So I've got a lot of helicopters that I have not built yet. Right. I've I've got several 700s. I got another helicopter that you're going to really love, too, Nick. And that's the American flag uh, version of that uh, Puma. I bought one of those. Oh, nice. Are you, are you trying to get me in trouble again, James? <laughs> I'm just being mean. I'm, I'm not I'm not very nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm I'm excited to build. I've got a lot of projects uh, up there that things that I haven't built yet uh, that I'm in the process of of working on, and uh, I'm a little disappointed because after three years, I finally finished building my 770 Sport, and I took it to the field, and it, I think the uh, the fly barless is damaged. So I've I've got to start all over again with that, but. Um, it's been interesting. I've deployed a tool without realizing that I've deployed it on my, uh, Oxy five that has helped me with my collective tremendously. And that is, um, I, I had an extra one laying around. So I put a jetty mezzin speed controller cause I fly jetty on all my stuff. And, uh, th- that's been a little interesting, uh, the use of that thing, because, um, if you, uh, pull too much out of it. The governor is kind of like those old school um, castle governors that, you know, kind of catches up a little too much, a little too late, you know, and, and you can actually coming out of an overspeed or anything like that. You can actually uh, blow your helicopter up because it doesn't catch up enough, right? It doesn't give enough juice to the motor. And so you can bog that thing pretty easy. And so it's been a great exercise in collective control which has proven to be pretty beneficial for me. Like for me, it's been a useful tool uh, and, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and so like right now on the bench, what I'm working on is getting a fireball done that hasn't been touched for God knows how long. And um, a K, uh, not a KSC, a uh, Nick Maxwell edition V2 that I also want to get built here pretty soon. So I've got a bunch of helicopters. I, I probably have something like, uh, let me think, let me think here, five, six helicopters that haven't been built yet that I really want to build. And I want to get them all done this year. And uh, it's, it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, I've, I've been enjoying it and I'm in that phase where I like flying a lot more than I like building, even though I really do like building. And I've got some great guys that I fly with out my field. Um, there have been some guys that have been really busy and I haven't been able to see a lot like Daryl Thorpe. I haven't seen him in a while, but he's a great pilot. 
you know, uh, and we've got some other great guys that are over there. My flying buddy, the guy I fly with all the time, uh, he's a retired firefighter and he is, he eggs me on because he is not one of these fast, aggressive, hardcore 3D pilots, but he does everything the 3D guys do except super slow and he has perfect control. He can put a helicopter wherever he wants the helicopter and it drives me crazy because I look at that and I, I want to get to that point. You know, because I tend to be relatively aggressive, especially as of late, the way I've been flying. And I would really like to see that change up a little bit and um, and demonstrate some of those perishable skills that I've kind of lost. So um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying it. I have been experimenting again with the Spirit Fly Barless systems, the one that has a, a jetty receiver stored into it. And I'm going to test one of those out here pretty shortly. So we'll see what happens with that. Kind of looking forward to seeing what's going what's gonna to happen there. Um, I like the all-in-one kind of a solution that those things provide. Um, and um, that's pretty much all. You know, I, I, I promised myself I wouldn't buy a Flash when it came out because I really like Oxys. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Guys, it's bad. Just, just buy one. It's a problem. Just- just do, do it. it. It's a problem. If you, if you saw, if you knew the list of helicopters that I had, it would make you sick. I think I own a total <laughs> of like fifteen. It's ridiculous. How do you uh, how do you get all fifteen of those to the field, and how do you fly them all at the same time? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. I, I, you know what the thing is is, uh, I typically take two, and if I'm going to be out for a really really long time, maybe three. You know, and and that's it. And lately, I, I've just been taking one out. I just. Charge up four batteries, go out there and fly and be done with it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of validity to the whole idea of uh, getting a few, you know, just get a few helicopters, the same kit, you know, and take care of maintenance that way. Uh, but part of my hobby is kind of being a collector a little bit, if you know what I mean. Uh, sure. I kind of like doing that. But, uh, you know, I do think that if you're going to progress, I mean, really, truly, the way to progress is you got to stick with one helicopter, get intimately acquainted with it, and fly the snot out of it. And, you know, you'll get to the point where everything is pretty nice. I mean, you can fly anything. But, I mean, it, it, there is something to say about the person who has, you know, a couple of the same kit and just, you know, stays pretty balanced uh, with it and practical. Um, but, uh, you know, I tend to gravitate towards SAB and they all tend to have a certain flying attitude. They all fly very similarly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, I think I, I have too many. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds sounds like it. Yeah. Intervention. It's bad. It's bad. It's just early intervention. It's bad. And my wife is amazing because she doesn't care what I buy or what I do because she knows I would destroy every last one of them for my family, you know, but the, the bottom line is, is it, uh, it, it can be interesting. And I'm like, Nick, uh, I, I relate more to Nick than anybody else when it comes to my bench and tools and my whole setup. Like, I like everything neat and in order. And if it's not, I'm, I'm having a heart attack. Oh, yeah. no table flight for you there, then? Dude, no. If I had so, a table, I would quit. I've seen your bench, dude. Yeah. oh <laughs> Yeah. I've been to your house. I've seen your bench. And? Now, to be fair, you were moving in, and there was construction happening at oh, the time. Oh, dude, you saw my bench, dude, when, yeah, when we were, <laughs> that's not even fair. You ought to see the picture of it now. You do have a sweet setup. I'm not going to lie about that. Holy moly. 
Oh, that's pretty bro, cool. It's uh, it's amazing, and I, this is why I love Elaine so much. Is because my wife is a lot like her in that it was my wife that helped me get organized better. You know, she went out and said, "Okay, let's go over here. Let's go buy all these racks, these shelves, these." And I mean, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, she she does. Elaine does that, but then she kind of throws it at me and says, "Now do something with it." Yeah, yeah, Nicole too. I, I that way too. Yep. I kind of like the spread out approach. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, I just, it's, it's all there. It's all right here. It, I know where, you know, half of everything is at any given moment, which is good enough. Yeah. There you go. That's good enough. Like for me on my table, the more left words I look, it's parts. And the more right words I look, it's tools. And somewhere in the middle is sort of a mix of tools and parts. And that's where I'm building something. And so if I need something, a tool, I just start looking leftwards until I find it. Or I make it to my little bin. Or if I need a part, then I just start looking to the right until I find the part. And, and then I just bring it in the middle. See, and then when I, I'm done, I just move it out of the way. I knew I had a problem at one point when I needed to get a part. And I ordered the part. And then when the part came in, I go to put it away for just the next day so that I can get to it a few days later. And when I go put it away, there's three more of that same part yeah. that I just ordered. That's a, dude, that's a tale as old as time around here. That man. is a, bro, it, dude, it's so flipping terrible. It's, it's terrible. And so uh, I, I'm trying to organize that a little bit more. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's bad. I bought like recent dude recently I bought brand new Neos because I thought I needed another one only that the when I got here and I went to put it in where you know one of the drawers many drawers I already had one in there that I didn't even know about yeah (laughs) that shit happens all the time I've done that with receivers fly barlesses I it generally doesn't happen with the higher price stuff you know stuff like the Neos and stuff like that but little odds and ends, uh, shit happens all the time. Well, the problem is, is you'll go out and see a great deal. Like someone's clearing something out of their store or whatever. And, you know, they just want to get rid of it quickly. So you go buy it and you forget you bought it because you bought it on a whim. You know, that's what happened with a few of my receivers and fly barlesses and all that. And then you open up the, the place where you store them all and you go, oh my gosh, I had too many extra. You know, it's just ridiculous. I did that with servos, uh, at the end of the year last year. I thought I had a specific uh, set amount and I bought two more than I needed. It's ridiculous. It's just bad. But then, right, we're gonna move, we're, hey, we got to move on here. We got to move on. We got to get some news in. I'm sure Nick's got some news. He usually does. We'll get, we'll yeah. get back to the uh, extra purchasing here in a minute after news. News for the masses. News for the masses. Is it time for you to go to bed now? You done? Are you spent? Good <laughs> night time. All right, Nick, what do you got for news? I was just waiting to hear if Devin was going to sing again this week, but uh, I guess not. Oh, damn. All right, we got lots of news this week. Lots of little quickies uh, this week. Uh, so Mikado, uh, we're going to talk about them for a little bit. Uh, they announced uh, this week that they're reducing prices on all Logo helicopters. Uh, quote, 
permanently, end quote. So quick look at the pricing on Mikado USA uh, shows that the 800 was reduced by $170, uh, the 700 by $80, and the 550 by $70. I didn't check all the pricing, but that just gives you kind of an idea of the type of decreases. Uh, no word on what the reason was for the price reduction. I assume it's just because they've been released for a while, so they're just bringing the price down a little bit. Uh, I'd love to say it's because there's a new generation of logos on the way, but there's certainly no indication that Mikado is working on any new helicopters currently. I'd certainly love to be wrong about that, but uh, from what I hear from folks over there, they're really focused on electronics uh, currently. Getting rid of the stock. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, I would love to say it's because they're clearing house for a new stock, but uh, I don't know. No idea. All right, so speaking of Mikado, we here at RCHN and lots of other folks in the hobby have had a lot of confusion and questions about cross-compatibility between the old Mikado, Mikado transmitters and FBL and the new Evo V-Control and Evo FBL. I've even heard some other recent podcasts put out some conflicting info on the subject as well. Uh, Peter Russo put a very helpful post in the V-Bar Control Facebook group that details a bunch of these scenarios, as did Mikado USA, so let's chat through a few of them. Now, I'll also recognize the fact that we've released conflicting information on this subject because it's been coming out in dribs and drabs and no one's really sure. And I don't know, the point is, folks are starting to get them in their hands and they're starting to be able to actually test these things and, and give us more information. Uh, Peter Russo, I know, just got all of his new uh, V-Control Evo and Evo FBL. So I think he's going to be doing a lot of tests and you know providing some updates on that as well. So I look forward to hearing from Peter. But here's a few scenarios uh, I picked out of note. So if you have a V-Control Touch, the, you know, the current version, not the new Evo version, uh, you can take advantage of all the new features of the V-Bar Evo. You will need an additional app as well as Pro installed on the Evo FBL to access all of the new features. So if you buy the Evo FBL and you want to set your cyclic servos to 760, you cannot do that unless you go for the Pro option on the Evo but you can do it from a V-Control Touch. Now, if you have a V-Control Classic, I'm talking about the one with the selectron wheel, uh, there will be an app available that will give you access to the new features available on the Evo. This is the one that I feel like has been a moving target. I, you know, Scott, last week, I think we even mentioned, because I know you were looking at doing this, that you wouldn't be able to set your cyclics to 760 from the Classic, but now it turns out that you can. So this, this is the one that's gone back and forth the most, I think. And this is the most recent info I can find on the subject. So as far as I know, with the V-Control Classic, you should be able to download an additional app that will let you have access to the new features available in the Evo. Now, obviously, this also requires that you install Pro on the Evo. Uh, we've mentioned this one in the past, but they're just confirming again that any metal cases for V-Bar Neos will not fit the V-Bar Evo. Uh, they are working on releasing a new metal case for the V-Bar Evo in the new future, and Doug Darby has been working on plans for one as well. So there may be some third-party ones uh, you'll be able to get your hands on in the not-too-distant future as well. Uh, if you have a V-Control Touch or V-Control Classic, you will have to update both of them to the latest software to take advantage of any of these new V-Bar Evo features. Uh, and then the V-Bar Evo will definitely follow the same Express, Pro, and Pro Rescue tiers, much like the old V-Bar. Uh, however, there will be a new licensing system in place, and it is not possible to transfer these things between a V-Bar Neo and a V-Bar Evo. So if you had Pro, you know, that you paid for on five V-Bar Neos, you can't move that to five V-Bar Evos. you got to buy it again. Nothing's transferable there. I don't know. Is anybody still confused? Did that help answer some questions? Clear as mud. 
<laughs> it really is. Anyway, I hope that helps uh, a little bit as we all try and figure out uh, this new ecosystem. All right. So, James, you might want to cover your ears. I don't know if you've, if you've had a chance to sort of recover after our last episode together. Uh, or maybe you have some things to add here. Uh, but Urcha has announced an email-based election to fill the open slot on their board. Uh, voting is now open to those that have either attended Urcha or are an Urcha member. Ugh. We've got two candidates for this open slot. Uh, and for the record, I have no idea how these two candidates were identified or nominated. Uh, I wasn't able to find that out. But anyway, voting is open until February 25th and is done by simply emailing your name and the name of the candidate you would like to vote for to election at urcha.org. Uh, the candidates are Jeffrey Young, who I must confess I don't know much about, and I'll ask you guys about in a second, and Augie Copter, uh, who's known best as the man behind the Monstro and Xguard brands and his involvement in a variety of internet forums. But uh, you can read a bio of uh, each of them on the urcha.org website under the 2023 nominee section of the legal drop-down menu. So I'll, I'll throw this out to you guys. Does anybody know Jeffrey Young or have any thoughts on the election? I don't. I don't know who that is. I, can I, I just make, All right. I'm not going to say anything except this. Okay, just one line. All right. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That's fair. Can <laughs> I say something? Yeah. It's 2023. And the best these idiots can come up with is election at urcha.com. What the fuck? Yes. That's yes. That's the most childish bullshit I have ever heard of in my life. Like set up a legitimate voting service or use a paid service. Like this is stupid. You're going to count emails, a notoriously unreliable source. Like, oh my God, it got stuck in my spam folder. Oh great. You lost 300 votes for someone. Like wh who comes up with this? I, I'm 100% yeah. with you. I mean, even a Google form, which well, is, you know, yeah. not super secure, but it's better than an email. Exactly. So, I can't believe the level that it is at. That's ridiculous, too. But here's, here's something that uh, if you even go back to the beginning of this, was anybody who, how, okay, you mentioned it, Nick. You, you don't know. And, and I don't know if it's been, has in, does anybody know? How did the nomination process even happen? I don't know. Did they just randomly, kind of the way they used to do it, just kind of pick a couple guys and and then, yep, these are the candidates. I thought I thought the whole point of the Urcha stuff was for them to be more transparent. Wasn't that what was? Isn't that what we were told? I think that that was a goal. Yeah, and and you know who knows they may have been, but for them, transparency may mean by putting a line on their website that nobody goes to. Yeah, it's. I guess are they? Is there a bunch of seventy-year-olds running this? that don't know anything about technology. I mean, Insanity I guess. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over <laughs> again and expecting different results. I mean, the, the yeah. interesting thing about Augie, if you read his bio, is his you know, background in you know, business ownership and legal issues. Uh, and you know, he talks about his experience working with lawyers and hopes to sort of legitimize Urcha. So whereas Jeffrey Young didn't address the previous situations or, or things circling around urcha at all in his bio so um, i'll just say we'll see I what think, happens i think there's hope for change in urcha if augie comes on and maybe i'm wrong about that but yeah, I, agree. I, I, I i just ridiculous well i don't know i think augie probably has you know he's got some skin in the game and i don't mean that i i guess what's how am i trying to say this i, I think he's he's fairly high profile in the hobby right so if he if he steps into a role at Urcha, 
an official in official capacity, um, he might actually affect change because of that, right? Like he might, I, I, that's my hope anyway, right? Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound, because I don't know Jeffrey Young. I don't know who he is. And I, that's a little surprising that I don't even recognize his name. That doesn't mean anything, but I, you know, years in the hobby and, and doing RCHN, I, I, you know, I have familiarity with at least names, right? I mean, does that make sense? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know that name. Uh, so I really can't comment to him. He might be some brilliant, you know, sure, absolutely, mind guy. That's whatever. But I can tell you that Augusto definitely has the capacity to do it. Uh, I think he definitely has the. Uh, well, because that's, that's what we know, right? We yeah. know that. Yep, it's yep. the thing. And Jeffrey, you know, like, just Jeffrey Young might have the same ability, but we yeah. just don't. We just we don't, don't know. know. We just don't yeah. know. So I guess there's a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel, knowing that you know Augie might be a guy that does it. But boy, that's <laughs> Worlds is coming up. I yeah. just never mind. They cancel West Coast. It's like it, which you would have expected. Uh, never mind. I just came up. Uh, yeah, I mean the West yeah. Coast thing was a bad idea to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> keep saying, man. <laughs> Are you insane? I'm just saying. It. I'm. Just, I'm just. It's, it's about to become listening to the same thing over and over again. That's right. <laughs> yes, it is. That's right. Uh, no, yeah. Anyway, Jeffrey Young, if you're if you're listening and you wanna, you know. Yeah. Come, Come on, on for a few minutes sure. and say something uh, to our listeners. By all means, do so. Yeah. Hit us up. Uh, same with Augie, too, by the way. I mean, open invite. Absolutely. And Augie's contributed big to the hobby. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's done a lot. Well, and for what it's worth, uh, Angel Rojas has endorsed Augie for the open slot as the person that sort of brought a lot of these issues at Urcha to light. Anyway, moving on from there. Speaking of Angel, though, uh, I did chat with him in his capacity as a miniature aircraft team pilot uh, to get a little more information on a picture I found online. Miniature aircraft has sort of two helicopters in the making right now. They've got the Interceptor, which is the 600 size gasser, and that's what we've been seeing a lot of renders about. They, they've also been mentioning this Impulse helicopter, and we've seen some renders of it, and, and I couldn't really find out any information on what the Impulse was. Uh, and then today on uh, the Hangout, there was a picture of an unpainted full fuselage for a miniature aircraft helicopter. And the fuselage is called the Impulse. And apparently this new fuselage will be uh, showcased at Rotor Live. One of them is going to get a paint job before the show. Uh, so for now, the Impulse is just a fuselage that'll fit the Whiplash 730E, which is kind of their recommended bird for F3C uh, use. But rumor has it that they may be developing an updated F3C bird to fit inside it that would be called the Impulse. But for now, uh, Miniature Aircraft says their focus is primarily on the release of the Interceptor 600 size gasser. So don't expect any, you know, big information or, you know, further strides on this helicopter until they get the, the gasser out the gate. But uh, looks like we might see an F3C bird or at the very least a fuselage out of uh, Miniature Aircraft. That's kind of sweet, man. Yeah, I, I kind of, that is the one heli I want in my fleet. And I don't know if, it, if it'll ever be for F3C or I just want a full fuselage bird. I think they look awesome. And I don't yeah, want to crack them. I kind of like, I kind of like the look of that. Yeah, yeah sure. I think with a sweet paint job, it'll look awesome. Yeah. Especially if the price point is like not quite as high as those crazy Jap Japanese fuselages and some of that other stuff. I mean, I, I'd be so afraid to fly so much money in the air, but it, even if this was a few hundred dollars cheaper, you know, That'd be easier to chew on. Yeah. 
Speaking of new helicopters, XL Power has posted photos of their new Spectre Nitro based on the V2 and Nick Maxwell edition. Uh, the photos show the enemy head and tail out of that uh, 7075 aluminum and uh, obviously a bunch of shared parts between the electric and the nitro. Uh, but as far as the nitro parts go, XL Power released a number of photos of the drivetrain and the helicopter. And I'm going to throw things over to the Nitro fans on the podcast who can say way smarter things about those photos than I can. It's got a muffler. It does the smoky thing. It does the smoky thing. And it burns liquid fuel. Yeah, the pink stuff. And it has soul. It has a spirit inside it. The living, breathing thing, Nick. For the love of God, somebody say something smart about the drive trade. It has a belt. It's caseless. (laughs) Dude, the bell on top looks pretty bell shaped no from what i heard it's i understand it's a an updated design that's i don't know much about it i haven't had a lot of information on it but the little bit that i did talk to about frank is apparently it's pretty efficient so yeah i know that there is a conical piece similar to the nick maxwell edition tail shaft that helps align the drivetrain and and get all the components to uh self-align a little better that's supposed to be interesting i can tell you this by looking at it and it's the first time me looking at it it looks like the center of gravity is going to stay consistent through the fuel emptying from the tank. Well, that just yeah, means they got something right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of that, I'm not surprised. I mean, it is, you know, did the conver- I shouldn't say conversion, but the helicopter was designed by Nick Maxwell, or at least he had a heavy input hand into it. So uh, it's not his first nitro by any means. It doesn't look like it's going to be easy to get to the clutch stack. I could be wrong about that too, but it looks, I don't know. Apparently from what I've read, you can drop the engine out with just a few bolts uh, and you can pull the fan shroud out to the side without removing the engine. Oh, that's interesting. Really? It doesn't look like it at all. Like name a 700, you can't do that. Yeah. And nowadays they all do it. Yeah. So like, I'm not trying to diss it. This sounds like an awesome helicopter, but I always dislike like marketing terms like that when they're like, oh, just a few bolts. Well, how many? And then they, they tell you, oh, the engine comes out in five minutes. I'm like, yeah, they all do. But like, give me details about what's unique. Cause like Clutch Shack is super unique. I've never seen one that's flipped that way with the fan still on the bottom. So the biggest possible like vibration component on the Clutch Stack is now the lowest part. And I know the, the Clutch shoe is steel, so it's probably a source of vibration too. But um, if you look at like the SAB clutch stack, they've got the steel clutch shoe and the fan on top of that. So it's like all of the vibrating masses at the very top. So it's real difficult to get it aligned on the engine shaft perfectly. I mean, I usually slam them on and go, but still in theory, it's harder to get perfect. But if you look at what XL power did, they dropped that fan shroud down lower, making it slightly easier to get that mass concentric to the, the actual crankshaft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that does. Yeah. I'm just wondering with how compact it is, how true it is that it's actually going to come apart, like they say, because it's a pretty tight nip nitro. If yeah. you're just looking at the pictures, everything is, it's compact and kind of electric style with your, with your upper frames, and there's not much on the bottom with the motor and everything. So with how tight everything looks, it'll be interesting to see if that motor actually comes out like they say it does where you could just take probably the bottom frame off with the motor and it slides right out but i mean it's a really cool design but it doesn't look like you can do that maybe i'm wrong 
Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, the only people I've talked to about it are the guy that designed it and the XL Power US team manager. So obviously they have lots of wonderful things to say about it, <laughs> as, as they should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nick is a brilliant mechanical guy. So, I mean, if he, if he, I don't know, if he says it can, it probably can. I just don't see it. And I'm not, it's not like I have super experience with nitro, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of nitro, but not like, not like this. So I don't know. Yeah, I've done zero, so I'm going to be cautious to say anything about it. <laughs> I'm getting a very Protos vibe off of it, too. It looks well, I mean, very Protos-y. Like, just the stance of it looks very similar. I know it's yeah, an XL Power, but the, just the way it stands and sits looks like the Protos Nitro. Well, that's probably a good thing. I know a lot of happy Protos Nitro owners, so... They, um, the Protos Nitro is a good Nitro. Something tells me I would want to have a spare one of these double layered motor mount things just in case so i don't know why but just looking at it it looks like that under one i know it's going to be sandwiched between some frame sides but if you dig it in i don't know i feel like you're gonna the one of them's not going to be true to the other one motor mounts you like in that second picture where where you see how the uh the pinion for the gear and then oh, whatever the that slide uh, yeah yeah that that deal i feel like that's gonna bend on a hard crash I mean, I it, guess it would it on kinda, any helicopter. It, it kind of depends. I mean, you would have to like pancake it to really put a lot of force through that because that means you have to yeah. move the motor and everything up into it. Right. Or what about torsional? I guess they're pretty close together, like where they would mount in the frame side. So torsionally, it'd be pretty tough to bend that, I guess. But yeah. And, and I imagine that top where the starting um, cup is. That's yeah. also a port support. They have a support up above the pinion, and then where the fan shroud goes in, and and you got to your motor is also technically a support off the crank. So it's going to be right. a very rigid setup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I imagine that'll be very hard to tweak, but I I bet you you can do it. I bet I could do it. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, based on Spectre crashes, that sort of top area of the carbon and all those bearing blocks generally don't don't get damaged in a crash there's other stuff that does but i haven't seen a lot of damage up there yeah um, nitros usually don't really it depending on how you crash them too they usually survive survive pretty well i'm kind of getting a um just looking at the picture of the the first picture i'm kind of getting an outrage vibe oh yeah yeah kind of yeah i can see why you say that that's no, just i outrageous. do see that too but yeah yeah Velocity 90 V 2.0. <laughs> and the upper frames kind of give me, uh, I don't know, I had a Rush, uh, Charlie Stevens, the Rush. I don't know if you guys remember that helicopter. Yep. Um, yep. The top, it's given me that. Obviously, that wasn't a nitro, but the top frames, the top side is, I don't know, it just, uh, it, it's been a long time since I've seen one, so maybe it's just my mind painting a picture, but I'm also getting some Rush vibes out of it, too. But definitely Outrage. It, it looks it looks a lot like an Outrage. Dude, just, I like how they went pro-level and put the servos upside down for a better inverted play. Okay. Yeah, minus the servo orientation. That That's it's better upside down, man. Are they better upside down, Rob? Sure, why not? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. go with that. Let's go with that. Right. Yeah, they are, right? The longer I said they are, the longer the cyclic links are for a direct to swash like we're doing here, the straighter they stay through the arc of the servo arm. They don't yeah. twist as much. So if you have really short ones like an SAB as you get next to uh, to the end of the stroke, 
they right. twist quite a bit. They go off straight, you know? Whereas yep. if you flip them like this, they're better. That's why Logo does it that way. They want to keep right. that geometry as true as possible. And a lot of okay. people do that flip on the Logo rear one because they did the back one short, which is weird. So, yeah, just a little bit of info. Huh, I didn't know that. I guess it makes perfect perfect geometrical sense that you point that out. That's pretty, it's pretty cool. For some reason, I have these weird flashbacks, and am I the only one of like early helis? I feel like in the early days of people flipping the servos over like that, sometimes pe there would be a, like a some sort of an extra note or warning in the instructions, and if you miss that, then on the downstroke of the servo, you'd tear it up in the main gear, and people would like wad up their helis okay. <laughs> until they figured Thanks. out how to engineer that out. I don't know. I just remember there was some off-brand heli that. Um, I bought and the servos were upside down and I just stuck it right in the gear because I didn't cut the arm off. Ooh, <laughs> scaly. That sounds like a you problem, Rob. Yeah, my arms are too long. <laughs> All right, coming back to the Spectra Nitro, we'll talk about the one thing I can talk about with some knowledge, and that's the canopy. Um, there's been a lot of renders of different canopies. The, the photos on the pre-order, which by the way, it is available for pre-order now uh, here in the US and I presume internationally as well. Uh, it's kind of a purple and uh, lime green scheme, but XL have been showing some different renders of some red and yellow and a different variety of canopy. So I'm not actually sure what color the stock uh, canopy will be. No word on price yet or availability. Uh, rumor has it that March is kind of a likely target um, but for shipping, but we'll see. Definitely, you know, in the first, you know, three to five months of 2023 for sure. All right, moving on to that, let's talk about our news of the week. This week, we're going to talk about the Align TB70. Uh, I alluded to this when we were talking about Sean's maiden on the helicopter, but uh, Align Helicopters and HeliDirect and presumably other dealers, although I have not seen those, uh, they sent an email to all customers uh, who ordered the Align TB70 in regards to an issue that was causing the motor pinion to slip. And this has resulted in, obviously, a loss of power. Uh, and or belt damage uh, in flight in the early kits. Now, I mean no disrespect here at all, but the email and documentation from Align on this is very poorly translated. So I spent a lot of time talking to a bunch of different TB70 owners, and I think I finally figured this out and understand what they mean in the, in the email. So the problem with the TB70 is twofold. First, the pinion or motor pulley is actually made up of two parts that are loctited together in the factory. And the way they assemble uh, they can actually loosen in flight. So I think there are right-hand threads on the part. So when the motor spins, uh, you can actually break the Loctite and loosen the grip between these two parts, which causes uh, the pinion to slip. It's actually like even if the, the shaft that actually has the set screws bites, this, this other piece with the pulley on it can actually counter-rotate against it. So I suspect this is why they're releasing a new motor pulley, and maybe they're either going to use a different Loctite between the two parts, or maybe they're going to change the direction of the threads so that even if the Loctite does break, the part will just naturally tighten as the motor rotates. And then the second part of this is that the motor included in, these, in the combo kits doesn't have a flat spot on the shaft. So even if your pinion stays together or your motor pulley stays together, the set screws just don't have anything fantastic to bite into. It's, it's a round motor shaft. So the, the fix is definitely a new motor pulley. But honestly, if it were me, I would also be using a Dremel and grinding a flat spot uh, in the shaft. So Align has said that they're going to send out a new motor pulley to everybody that ordered a kit that was shipped before February 1st. I presume kits shipped after that will have the new motor pulley in the box already. Uh, HeliDirect and Align are asking that people not fly their kits for safety reasons until they receive the new pulley. 
Um, so if you ordered an early kit and you haven't heard from your distributor yet, you know, consider benching your helicopter. Uh, reach out to inquire about how you'll get the replacement pulley. You know, I, when every time this happens, I always want to give kudos to the manufacturers and distributors that get ahead of problems and immediately admit to them and then offer the fix at no cost. So rather than offering an upgrade part or anything like that, you know, they, they're owning the fix. They're sending out replacement pulleys. No word yet on when those will ship, but I expect it will be soon because um, they're really trying to get this done. Now, that said, that's the official stance of a line. That's what HeliDirect is doing as well. I, I can only speak for them as I don't know what other retailers are doing. Honestly, if this were me and my helicopter, and this is not HeliDirect's official advice, I would just weld these two parts of the pinion together by putting piles of green Loctite in there um, because you're always going to order a whole new one anyway. So just weld the dang things together. Uh, and then I would just grind a flat spot on the motor shaft uh, for the pinion set screws to bite on, and then I'd just send it. Uh, but whatever you do, don't fly it stock. It's only a matter of time. Uh, some of the pros have been shredding motor belts, presumably from pinion slip, and then grabbing and slipping and grabbing. Uh, the others, the pinion just slips all together and you just end up having to auto it down. So uh, TV70 owners, uh, be aware and uh, take the necessary steps. And uh, with that, that's all I got for the news. All right. Anybody else have any news? I'll take that as a no. This week, we don't really have a specific topic in mind. We're just going to kind of catch up with James, talk a little bit about what he's been up to. Um, one thing, James, I'd like to quickly go over with you uh, in regards to what you said about finding time to fly, kind of making sure uh, that you have an activity that, that requires brain power. But I got my only pro issue, it's not an issue, My personally for me, my job requires immense amount of concentration for all day long. And, um, I, I just, I, man, that's one thing that I'm struggling with right now is I'm not necessarily physically tired, although I am, but I'm mentally drained yeah. after I get done with work. Right. I mean, I'm, I don't even like, I come home and I don't even like have Elaine's talking to me and I'm just like, I don't even want to process what you're saying. I mean, she could be telling me something super important and I'm just like, I don't, it's just bouncing. Yep. You know, it's part of that balance. And one of these days we're going to have a good discussion about balancing that. But I mean, that's, that was just a, you know, I, not that I expect that we can have a conversation about that, but I just, that thought popped in my head as you were saying that. And I just thought I'd share that with you. Um, so that's kind of my reality at this point. Yeah. So there's some complexities that contribute to sort of the, the mentality that I have with that. And, and there are some things that me and you heavily relate to, right? But, uh, for those of you that don't know, like if you've ever seen me at a fun fly or anything like that, I'm in a mobility scooter and my mobility scooter isn't related to my weight. Um, quite frankly, I've lost, um, about 350 pounds in the last, uh, I don't know, four or five years. Uh, and it's something that we've worked very hard on in terms of my health and so on and so forth. The reason why I'm in a mobility scooter is because I have a pretty complicated nerve disease. It's called demyelinating polyperipheral neuropathy. It's not related to diabetes or anything like that. I happen to be one of the lucky, I don't know what they call it, 18 percenters, so to speak, that we don't know what's causing it. Um, the way that the disease works is it dramatically affects my ability to be able to balance myself. And 
because of the damage in the nervous system, it creates excruciating amounts of pain. As a matter of fact, the kind of pain that can be considerably debilitating and in some cases can cause loss of consciousness. Now, it's not the type of thing like where you wake up one morning and then you lose consciousness, you know, in a second. It's one of those things where the the pain progresses and you realize that your body's going into a state of shock and then things begin to change and so on and so forth. And I had to make a very serious decision years ago uh, when I was spoken to by doctors. Uh, I had some of the world's best neurologists basically tell me, hey, look, James, here's the deal. You are going to experience many of the symptoms of people with MS or um, in some cases Parkinson's, but you won't have the prognosis. Uh, your nerve disease is progressive. It's, it's going to affect you, especially in terms of pain more. And as you lose weight, you might actually begin to experience it more. Now, the problem is what I do for a living and what I do as a calling, I mean, I think they're the same thing. Uh, it requires the cognitive ability, right? It requires functional and relational capacity to be able to do what I do, which means I can't do what most of my doctors have asked me to do, and that is go on narcotics to sort of numb the pain. So what that does for me is it's created a, uh, a sort of mindset where I've had to say, I have to deal with the pain and that's the way it's going to be because if I cover it up with narcotics, I I'm, I my brain won't work. I'm going to end up being a zombie and perhaps the most valuable asset I have right now is the use of my brain. And so I can't afford for that to happen. And so I had to make a very calculated decision anywhere from, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years ago, where I told myself I would not use the kind of drugs that affect my ability uh, to make cognitive decisions. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some neuroreception blockers and other things like that that do not have an effect on my general cognition or even specific at any level. Um, that does help to deaden the pain a little bit, but it makes it to where it's somewhat tolerable, but not like, you know, to the point where I just can't concentrate or anything like that. So there's a cost, right? It's kind of a give and a take. And one of the things that the hobby did for me that I didn't realize it was an added benefit that came to me when the disease kind of progressed is the doctor basically said that there are things you can learn to do to help the pain deaden. And one of those things is to occupy the highways of your nervous system as it connects to the brain. So kind of the idea is this, if you're driving down a freeway and you've got um, seven lanes and there's only two cars, those cars can go as fast as they want, right? So if you think of a car as a pain signal, right? Well, the way you slow the pain signal down is you load the highway with a whole bunch of cars. And so the idea here, the, the neurological equivalent to loading the highway with a whole bunch of cars is the type of activity that requires a lot of neurological focus and function. More so, data. More data. So when you challenge yourself, when you allow yourself to, to stay in that sort of uh, thinking mode, um, it has a very cathartic mechanism tied to it in that, yes, the intense thought can be tiring. Uh, but the exchange for me is that it lessens the pain substantially. And what that does after those exercises is it tends to keep the pain away for a little while. So in essence, it does for me what maybe a 
uh, a, a narcotic would do without the loss of cognitive ability, thought, so on and so forth. Um, and, and that kind of brings me to an issue with this hobby that I, I think is really important. And I don't know how many people would look at it the way I do. I'm considered to be a mental health professional. So the reality of it is, as a pastor, I look at things like this with a lot of intensity. And one of the observations I've made in the hobby, at least recently, where it's like really morphed, is there seems to be a lot of people in the hobby that use the hobby as kind of an escape, right? And part of that, I think, can be very healthy, right? It's good to do something recreational where you can kind of get your mind off the the thoughts of things and so on and so forth. But I think it becomes really dangerous when it gets replaced with a series of reckless activities that put your uh, your mind, your heart, your body, your physique in greater danger than doing things that might be a little bit more healthy. Now, don't get me wrong. Look, you go rock climbing, mountain climbing, there's a danger you accept. Uh, when you get on a, on a highway and you drive your car down the highway, there's a calculated risk. You, you put your life at risk every time you do everyday activities and heli flying helicopters is uh, uh, no exception, right? There are certain risks that we take when we do those things on a pretty regular basis. But one of the things I learned through my medical condition and through just the series of mental health issues that I have had to face, right, um, is that this hobby cannot be an escape for me. Rather, it, can, it, it has to be an avenue by which I can um, enjoy a recreational outlet, right? Because the, the reality of it is, and I don't want to get all religious on people and get really crazy, my theory and my philosophy is only God can bring the kind of healing to a mind that's required to take place in order to get past so many of the craziness, you know, the crazy things that we find throughout the course of the day, the week, the year, the month, you know, that kind of thing. So the, the problem is, is human nature necessitates the ideal, the thought, the philosophy that says, well, let's go do something recreational. And at the same time, let's combine this, combine it with reckless thought and activity, and I'll be so numbed up by it that I'll forget about all my problems. But the problem is, is you create more problems when you do that, right? Um, and and I've, I've met some amazing people, tremendously amazing people who have gone through very difficult times and say, well, I'm going to numb it up by just getting drunk all the time. Well, great. You're, you're going to be numb to the issues that you're facing in life right now, but eventually it's going to come back to bite you. Because the reality of it is, you're not fixing the problem, you're just covering it up. Think of it like this, you walk into a house and you know, gas releases in the house and you're smelling gas in the house and your solution to it is to spray perfume in the air and you go, great, I don't have a gas problem anymore. Well, yeah, it's gonna feel like you don't have a gas problem anymore until the house blows up or until you know, something happens. And um, you know, this is waxed very philosophical, but the idea here is that when I participate in the hobby. For me, it's an element that adds to my enjoyment of the life that God has put in front of me and oftentimes is coupled with a tool that creates for me something very healthy. Now, don't get me wrong. I could turn that into a very unhealthy thing. I know guys that have mortgaged their houses to buy more helicopters. I know guys that have used the, the, you know, the helicopter hobby as an excuse to just escape, go get high and do all kinds of crazy things. Um, so I could turn it into something very unhealthy and very damaging. But for me, um, this sort of concentrated thought idea that I just shared with you 
is, um, is very useful. And Todd Bennett told me something a long time ago that was really helpful. Although Todd looks at all of this in a very different way, but Todd told me, he said, look, James, when you fly, there's an element of preparation that goes into you flying, right? You got to make sure you got good sleep the night before. You know, there's certain things that he talked about because he says at your stage in flying, you're going to make a lot of errors that a lot of people wouldn't make who are far more advanced than what you do. And you need to get yourself in the best physical condition possible to be able to do the very thing that you enjoy. And there's a catharsis in doing that, right? But um, for me, that sort of uh, um, work, that labor, that mental labor ends up translating into something positive when it's, when it's applied. And a perfect example is this, I'll go wake up on a on a Wednesday morning, which is my normal day to fly. And I'll just say, man, I'm tired. I don't want to go fly. And I tell myself, well, no, there's a benefit that comes from it. I'm spending time with my daughter. I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm going to go do it as much as my, I mentally don't want to do it because I'm so tired and I stayed up real late the night before. And I just dealt with this and that and the other, when I get out there and I actually put the thing in the air and I start flying and do exactly what I'm doing, well, then it pays off. Right. So there's a there's a mental barrier that you kind of have to overcome. But that's kind of how it works for me. And uh, right. when I'm disciplined in it, it works. So my story is very, very similar. You, you know that you and I have had many, 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 many conversations about this. Um, I, I don't look at life um, from the same perspective as you and you well know that. Uh, don't really buy into religion as it were, I don't have a problem with it. I don't, um, and certainly we're not here to talk about religion, but you know, and most of the listeners that have been listening to RCH and for some time know that, um, you, you talk about that. I would never had a doctor explain to me what you just, what you just said about occupying and kind of that, that picture of many cars versus two cars on, on a, on a highway. Uh, and I find that to be true. And when I was at that stage um, and doctors were telling me I've got a year to live, this was, this was, you know, a decade, 15 years ago, right? That's what helicopters getting into the hobby did for me. It occupied uh, almost too much, I would say, but I really didn't, I didn't have anything else going on. I mean, I wasn't working at the time. I, it was uh, four years or five years where I couldn't work, right? Many, many of that, many of those years were bedridden. Like I couldn't get out of bed. And truly, helicopters are getting into the hobby, getting involved in the hobby at the level I did, really did help bring it around to the point where I kind of was wondering at some point if it was unhealthy, right? Because it, it was quite an obsession for me, right? And but what it did do was it gave me, it, 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 I did find, because they tried the same thing, James, as I'm sure they tried with you. I mean, they did a damn fine job of getting me hooked on narcotics, right? I, I, I went for a very long period of time where I got to the point where I'm not going to sleep unless I take some narcotics, right? And finally, getting into the, getting into the uh, helis, I kind of had to make that decision because I couldn't do anything while I was in that state. And occupying my mind, the space and the time and not thinking about the dreadful things that were happening 
I was focused on these helicopters, right? And I was able to, I, I started noticing that the pain, which is real for me on a daily basis, uh, still is. I don't think it's as severe as it was back at the start of RCHN all those years ago. Uh, one of the things that um, I think James, you and I have talked about many times is, and it's been said to me by several people when they meet me or see me at a fun fly that I don't seem to, I mean, I've had many people say, well, aren't you that guy that's supposed to like to talk about stuff? I mean, you get, you know, you record a show, you're, you're talking, you're laughing with your friends. Oh yeah. But I'm, I'm very, un, I seem to be very unapproachable. And a lot of that was because of the issues I was dealing with, you know, from uh, uh, being in pain and people don't, it's hard to quantify that aspect. It's, it's hard to quantify chronic pain. It's hard for people to understand it because it's subjective, but severe chronic pain is debilitating beyond imagination. Significant. It, it'll, it'll do things to you that you never think uh, are possible, right? And, you know, kind of, kind of to bring it back up, it was like that, that's the, that's the thing. And that, and the helicopters did for me, it was able, I was able to really focus on, um, other things and, and put some thought and, and be excited about something. Right. And then, but I find in the juxtaposition of today's world, you know, my, where I'm at now completely in a place I never thought I'd be married, got a good job. It's a taxing job. It's a very, I mean, it's, it requires every bit of brain power every minute that I'm at work. At some point, though, I just don't, you know, you say that develop that discipline, but man, I got to tell you, I, I think it's easier when the weather's nicer. That's definitely a factor, but, you know, making myself go do that. I've always been, kind of been of the mindset of, I don't want to have to go fly if I have to make myself go fly, right? Oh, yeah. Does that sound like a fair statement? Cause I feel like bad things might happen. Cause you, you know, if you're like, if you're like, I just have to go fly just because I know I don't feel like it, but I have to go do it because I have to get X amount of flights in and God, whatever. The, I guess the one thing that I would say with that is there's a, there's, um, I, and I, I want to use the term cause it gets overused, but there is a balance. What people have to understand like us, people like us, meaning people that have the kind of debilitating diseases that we have and face these kinds of things is, and this, by the way, goes for anybody. If you really think about it, this is a construct of human nature. There's an aspect of what we face and do every day where we have to tell ourselves to do something that our emotions don't want to do or that our feelings kind of fight us on. Um, on multiple occasions, as I have gone down my journey of losing the amount of weight that I've lost, there have been many, many times where my emotions and even my body has cried out to throw junk in it. And I know that if I do it, eventually it will produce a result that will be destructive. So the reality of it is, is I oftentimes speak against what my, my, I guess for lack of a better term, my flesh wants. And I just basically do what I know is right. Now we do this in parenting. We do this with our wives. We do this at work. 
At times we, we wake up in the morning, we don't want to go to work, but we know if we don't go to work, that we don't put food on the table, we don't put food on the table, we have bigger problems. And I think that sometimes when it comes to recreational activity or activity that's supposed to provide some kind of a catharsis for us, there is a bit of a discipline that we have to deploy in getting us there. Because if we don't, then we go into stages of like chronic depression. Because that's when people have chronic depression, in essence, they have this overwhelming emotional condition. And oftentimes it is fueled by chemical uh, imbalances or just weird things. Sometimes it can even be food, different types of food effects. But they, they wake up with the mentality in the morning that says, all of this is overwhelming. Getting dressed is overwhelming. Walking out in the sun is overwhelming. And they end up not doing it. And then they settle themselves in a pattern of not doing it. So there's a point in time where you have to say, well, I don't feel like going out and flying. And that's just simply because I'm exhausted and it would be bad for me if I did. And then there are times where you, where you say, well, I don't feel like flying. And we're, we're talking about flying. So that's why I'm saying, well, I don't feel like flying, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I know the benefit that I get from it will be far greater than the decision to refrain from it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. and, and that's where, that's where this issue becomes a really big issue. And, and I'll bring up something that maybe will be a, a kind of a, a hard thing for a lot of people or some people to hear. Listen, I've gone to a lot of fun flies. And one of the things that I see a lot in, in, in fun flies, and this is going to sound a little crazy, is the culture of death alive and well. And when I say that, I mean, I see a lot of guys that get high on a regular basis doing drugs on the field, drinking, acting recklessly, going absolutely crazy, following radical self-destructive patterns and feeling okay about doing it because a lot of their buddies are doing the same thing. And then when everything is said and done and everybody is getting drunk out of their brains, completely passed out without much consciousness left, every single time I go to a fun fly, it's around the 2.30 hour, 2.30 in the morning, they come up to me the ones that are the biggest life of the parties, they come up to me, you know, coming down off their, their, you know, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is that they're doing, and they're bawling. They're coming to me and they're telling me, not that I would ever identify anybody, but it would be the people that you would think were the least ones to do something like this. They come up to me and they go, man, I've wanted to eat my gun 10 times. Um, my marriage is falling apart. My life is falling apart. My family is falling apart. And when it comes right down to it, the thing that I constantly have to go to people like this with is don't do what we all have a tendency to do. And I say we all because it's a human nature thing, right? Don't follow a pattern of self-destruction in the name of numbing things up because the more you do that, the more you're going to end up hurting yourself and then the more you're going to have to need to fix when it's all said and done. This is, this is the reason why guys go all into the hobby. Like they get crazy. I mean, they spend 20, 30, 40, $50,000, you know, they, they go nuts. They get all into it. They're all excited. And then they get burned out. And then after two years of getting burned out, you know, two years, they, they've been burned out. They go, they sell everything. And then three, four years, they come back to it. Because they remember a certain part of the cathartic element that was associated with the hobby that they enjoyed, and they end up going through that pattern two or three more times. And the reason is because no one was ever there by their side to help them put it in the proper context 
to get them to say, look, the activity you like is awesome, but let me give you some more tools to put in your toolbox that will help you reconcile it all when everything is said and done. Now we live in a world where everybody just seems to be defensive about everything that gets brought up. I mean, we had a conversation. Well, I did. I felt like I was in it. I was listening. You guys have a conversation about safety and people lost their minds about that conversation. I mean, to this day, uh, you're getting comments and people are being making fun of you guys online about your brand and all the other stupid things that get said all the time. And to me, it's like two things. Well, first of all, I can't get mad at those at people that do things like that because the reality of it is they continue to demonstrate the fact that they're at a loss. There's a proficiency, a deficiency somewhere, right? Where if they just simply were willing to step into the problem and fix it and address it, then it becomes a, a much better thing, right? And that takes a, that takes a lot of response. It, it takes a lot of guts to stand up and say, hey, what I've been doing for my own self has been wrong, right? And uh, I need to make a change. I would never condemn anybody for drinking alcohol or doing the things that they do. What I'm saying is every single person that participates in any activity at all needs to put it in its proper context. And instead of using it to escape the hardship and the difficulty that you're finding, find anybody that can give you the tools to face it head on so that it becomes a complement to the work that you're actually doing, right? And then the hobby becomes way more fulfilling. The joy that you experience in what you do becomes way more fulfilling. And you walk out of it just all the more blessed. And that's why I could say that I, I would destroy every last helicopter for my family if that's what I needed to do. Do I love helicopters? Heck yeah, I love it. Is it a big part of my life? Absolutely. But the reality of it is I have a massive toolbox available to me that helps me deal with the things that I need to deal with before I get out there and uh, end up participating in a bunch of reckless activity because the reality of it is so many of us, and I say us, I'm not saying them, it's us, all of us, struggle with things all the time that drive us to behavior that is self-destructive. I did that with my eating for years. Yeah. So it, it's a perspective thing. Yep. That's a lot. That's a, this is a podcast for helicopters and it just turned into like some, I don't know, but Dude, you know, hey, that was deep as hell, man. But it's, it hits so on point. You know, I know when I look back in my evolution, you know, with this hobby and it really, you know, yeah, this is a helicopter podcast, but really it could be any other thing that a person is trying to include in their world that should be additive to the experience that if not handled correctly could become subtractive, right? Um, and, you know, my first time around, I was in a place where I felt like, you know, things were moving in my life. I was doing the things that, you know, the on paper things that I thought I was supposed to be doing at the time, getting married, uh, buying a house, you know, I just got kids and all this. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like I had my arms around that, but I didn't really have anything that was mine. Uh, but what's mine, right? And, I'd always loved the RC helicopter thing ever since I was a little kid. I even, when I was like, must have been like seven or eight, I took a nine volt battery and a little motor and a paperclip and some, just some things in the house and um, just made this thing that hovered in the kitchen and didn't spin around like a crazy beast. And I was like, I made a heli. And so I knew at some point it would just be part of my world. But at the time I wasn't, I wasn't willing 
to accept a lot of things in my world. And I wasn't as emotionally resilient as I should have been. I actually um, was a longtime practicing alcoholic um, and went into recovery. I had been in uh, recovery maybe, I don't know, maybe six, seven months before I picked up the hobby. And it was exactly what it really ended up becoming was a vice that replaced another vice, right? To help me ignore that I had this other vice because I was busy spending time and getting satisfaction out of spending the time and money on this other thing. And then I would tell myself, oh, look, I'm doing this with this thing in the air and I'm having fun and I'm being nerdy and safe. And but I'm so I'm not drinking and making my wife upset. But I just still didn't have any sort of self-control necessarily. Right. And so the things that needed to be repaired didn't get any work at the time. Um, and really, it just ended up being me um, having obligations to my wife and my children, my household. And I would just hide in the front porch in my heli dungeon instead, stealing away that time only for myself to try to reward myself for what I thought was a job well done that day or whatever, right? But it was really just my escape is all it ended up being. And um, so uh, I had a lot of fun at the time and I met a lot of people and, you know, I became that Gowie rep. I had all the parts and I had all, I was putting videos out. I was doing the thing, you know, I got on the podcast and everything. And, uh, you know, reality kind of hit me in the face and uh, the marriage fell apart. Um, and, you know, people say and do things to hurt each other in the heat of the moment. I know that. But, you know, one comment that was made just kind of stuck with me. And it was that I chose the helis over my family a lot, you know, and I could look back and I there wasn't a way that I could argue that away necessarily. And I was like, you're right. And at the time, I didn't want to believe it or admit it. And it took a long time for me to get to that place. And so when, you know, fast forward to now, the difference between me now and then, uh, even before picking up this hobby, uh, Dan just calls me out of the blue. And here we are. Um, I had spent a lot of time specifically on the the notion of my self-control and my emotional resilience um, and just my personal self-reliance and, and uh, being able to be a good father with a nice, thick relationship with both my children as best as I can and um, just become strong in that way. Uh, just because I knew it was necessary just in general to create some sort of higher level of balance in my life. And so now I introduce the helicopters back into the into my universe. And I can I could tell immediately that my perspective on it was a little bit different. Kind of, James, to speak to kind of what you were talking about, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, this having the helicopters and flying them around is I'm, I'm just a, a nerd at heart. So to be able to sit down and have a really high bandwidth conversation with my hobby and be able to think about, you know, physics, mechanical engineering, fluid dynamics, um, electricity, um, radio communications, programming, all of these things, I get to dance around in them and dabble with them. And my synapses are going bananas in this world that I love. And it's like this flush that I can use to flush the, when I spend, all, I mean, I work overnights, right? But I still, my job is, very mentally taxing as well, just in a different way. And to be able to engage in my hobby in a way that kind of um, 
like you guys are both saying, it's it takes a lot of effort to just go out there and do it. And if you're tired, sometimes it's tough. And sometimes I make myself because I know that when I'm done, it's like I, my brain gets kind of a reset. You know, I get kind of a um, a data flush, if you will. And then I can come back to things that maybe were stressing me with a, I, I will have been able to set that on the shelf for a moment and then pick it back up and deal with it. You know, like um, whatever it is, like right now it's tax season, right? That's a frustrating thing for a lot of people. Um, so it's just, um, there's a different type of relationship that the hobby has in general for me and my life, you know, and um, it's like I can, it, I pay attention to those small signals that you can get. Like there are moments where you maybe, um, um, here's an example. Sometimes my kids will come home, um, it's the middle of the afternoon, I might be doing whatever and I'm getting ready to go out in the backyard or over to the park and fly is maybe what I want to do. But you can kind of feel like an energy, maybe you feel an energy where you can tell one of the, one of my children wants to interact with, they want to share more than they normally would or something, or there's, I can tell there's something wrong or whatever. I know at the moment I can tell that that's more important, you know, and uh, there was a time where I couldn't tell the difference and I'm grateful for that now. And to me, that's, I guess, how I perceive this balance. I guess we ended up inadvertently having the com the, the <laughs> show about balance this week. Um, so I kind of agree, you know, and I don't run in either direction towards or from the hobby. And I think for me, that's important. And I don't run in either direction towards or away from my family, right? If I feel like I'm walking away from the house and um, to go fly, that's not the same thing as me, um, you know, just taking some time because it's just a natural occurrence that's going to happen that day. You know, you can tell, I think everybody can really, if you just take a moment and have a moment of calm in your mind and in your heart, just even for five seconds, you know, um, when you're about to make a choice, most decisions are, you know, binary. And at that vector, you'll know if you just take a moment, you'll know if it's, a, if it's good, if it's the right energy to just go up fly or not, you know, Nick, you said it, you know, the last episode you had talked about coming home and you could tell there were some things you had to do. And it was just a very easy thing for you to be like, well, no, I, this is what I got to do first. You know, this isn't, this is an important thing. This is what's going to give my spirit the most fulfillment at the time, you know, and, um, and so, to keep the wife happy. That's important too. Yeah. There's that there, there would be that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Nick has demonstrated that. Like I've heard Nick in the podcast, you know, and I listen to the things behind it, right? Like what happens behind it. And like, when he talks about some of the things going on with his family or whatever, it's like, yeah, I bet a million dollars that that guy has a healthy home life, mental life, family life, all of that, because it seems as though things are in proper perspective. But like going to what you said, Rob, very few men are capable of coming out of what you came out of and being able to correct the things that happened that were the greatest contributors to it. And that right there is a sign that there's a lot of health and life in that situation. Yeah, thanks. I'll just add for a second. I mean, I, I appreciate that thought, James, but I think honestly, the truth is, is something far different than that, right? Like, and we'll talk about this, you know, when we do get into an episode on balance a little more, but for me, you know, recognizing those moments when I need to spend time with my family instead of do something else are because I've learned all of those lessons the hard way. So while I might paint a picture of making all the right choices, honestly, I have a long history of making the wrong choices and then taking a really long time to learn from that. So yeah, I, I don't want to say that or, you know, let you get away with saying like, I'm doing a great job because I'm not honestly, but I do try. Yeah, look, 
Uh, you know, you've got, I don't know how long you've been married, Nick, but I'm guessing it's been a number of years. Yeah. Uh, it would be 11 in yeah. about a month and a half. So, you know, James, you've been married a while. Uh, Scott, I know you've been married a while. I think you've been married a while anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years. Seven years. And uh, of course, Rob's been through it. This is kind of a new thing for me. In fact, we just hit our year anniversary. So I look, I, when it comes to balance, I lived the life of, uh, you know, grouchy bachelor for a long, long time. Like I, I never had to consider, uh, what it is I wanted to do versus what it is I should do when it comes to the consider, you know, considering other people. Right. And I think I'm, I'm, I don't know, that might be part of the issue that I'm, uh, you know, I, it might be part of my issue. Cause it's like, um, I'm still learning that. Like I, I'm relatively new to this, this thought process. I'm so yeah. used to after, you know, 50 years or uh, as an adult, 35 years, however long, I don't know, 10 years, maybe, maybe two years, you consider me an adult. I don't know. But anyway, my point is, um, for a lot, a number of long, many years, I didn't do anything I didn't want to do. Like if I, I mean, I, I never had to ask anybody. I never, I, I, and, and it's not that I have to ask Elaine. She's very supportive. And in fact, to the point where she's like, maybe you should go flying. And I'm just like, dude, it's too cold. There's always, a, there's a reason. It's too cold. I'm too tired. You know what I mean? It's like, these are the things. And it, there is a little bit of guilt there um, at times because I do spend a lot of time at work, way more than, you know, about 10 to 12 hours a day, five days a week, and sometimes more. And I just don't, I'm so exhausted when it's over. I, I, I you know, I kind of want to put myself into this little shell, this little, I want to come downstairs. Uh, whatever. I just, I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, cause I've just, I just want, I, I don't know. Things are going well. <laughs> I really love my life right now, but part of me misses that, that period of my life when I just could do whatever I wanted to do. But, 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 I, and, but I will offer this to you, Dan. And I, man, I, I know you well, right? I probably know you better than anyone on the podcast because we go back a long way. The one thing that I could probably say at the expense of sounding pretty personal while we're broadcasting here is if you were to look back at where you were before you met Elaine and before you entered into the part of life that you're in, and just consider it for just a second, I guarantee you, you would never in a million years trade the life you have now for the life you had when you could do anything you wanted. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. But let me give you an, uh, kind of an analogy. I used to drive truck back in the early days when I was in my 20s, right? I, 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 I loved it, right? And I, got, I stopped doing that started doing something else. And it was about three or four years later, I just got this hitch. I'm like, man, I, God, I really missed that. Right. And, and I took myself out of a relatively good position and started driving trucks over the road again. I was out a week. I'm like, nope, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And I quit. I mean, I literally drove 
the truck back to the terminal the first chance I got. And I said, sorry, I, I just can't do it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but that's a struggle. That's an internal struggle. It's like, I think about that stuff and I'm like, yeah, sometimes that would be nice, but I know it wouldn't be better. Right. I just, I know that. You know, but we're kind of getting a little, little off rails here. I, I wanted to talk to Scott and Nick and Devin and, and talk about one thing. Do you guys ever make yourself go fly? No. <laughs> you don't. Scott's like, nope, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I used to. Um, when I was a kid, I used to try and fly every day. But I don't know. Now it's like it's intended for my own enjoyment. If I have a mental block or something going on, I don't want to. Right. I get <clears> that. Don't get me wrong. I want to fly a lot. Like, so that doesn't happen very often. Right. Right. Nick? I don't. I don't think I ever really make myself go fly because I, I feel like I always want to and never have enough opportunities to do so. So the desire is often there, but family life and things, you know, prevent it. Uh, my wife sometimes makes me go fly. There, there have been moments <laughs> when like I'm stressed, there's a lot going on, there's a lot at work, there's a lot at home, and she could just see it in me. And she's like, you know what, get out of the house, like get out of my face. And she says it in a nice way, don't get me wrong. And she's like, you need to like go do something fun, like go fly, take your helicopters, whatever you want to do, but go. And she'll throw me out for a few hours. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I love her for it. Because I come back happier. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's cool. Devin, you don't have to worry about it. You just got to worry about school. Yeah. So you're I, kind of in that position that I had been in all those years. You didn't have to worry about other people. No, 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 no not really. It's coming, Dev. I used to. I used to yeah. for about three years, but that went away. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have that issue anymore. Uh, this... You know, we probably got a little deeper than maybe we intended to, but that's just kind of where the conversation went. I mean, look, it, it um, it's kind of the mental side of the, I, and I, God, I've always enjoyed talking about the mental side of the hobby, right? I mean, there's the technical side, there's the, there's the tinkery side, and then there's the mental side. And, and I've always struggled with the mental side of the hobby, right? And, um, and I've mentioned it many, many times before, like I, I remember when I was first starting to learn and I, I much like James, I, for many years, I used also a, um, mobility scooter, uh, had to, couldn't really walk. Otherwise I could, but not for very far without excruciating pain. And, um, I remember I, I was happily learning how to hover at the flying field, sitting in my, you know, in the scooter and, and, you know, these scooters, James, I don't know if you do it, but mine had a, I could swivel the seat around. So the, oh yeah, you're kind of sitting off to the sides, so you know, don't feel like you have the big handlebar right in your way. And I was happily learning how to hover. And one of the old guys was kind of standing next to me and he goes, so what are you going to do if something happens and that helicopter comes at you? And that's a simple statement, right? That's a simple, <laughs> relatively right. obvious. And I thought to myself, you know, I hadn't. I hadn't thought of that. And, and you know what? That created a mental barrier for me that I still think about today because I still, I can't look up in the sky because of my back. I can't really bend my back. I have to sit down so I can see things in the air. Uh, and I still think about it. You know, the, that's the mental aspect of this hobby that, I don't know, I, people go through it. A lot of guys don't struggle with it. Some do. I, I've known a lot of guys that do. Like, I, I don't know. 
on the West Coast when I was going to Fun Flies on the West Coast a lot, uh, after we started the podcast, um, I would always end up in those conversations with several people throughout the three-day period talking about some of the things that I had mentioned on the show at points that also gives them, uh, you know, some kind of mental block that was similar, different, but similar. And, um, you know, it's just nice conversations talking about how they would conquer these issues and, and, uh, or if they're still struggling with them and more, more often than not, uh, most of the time people were still struggling with them. Um, but that's, that's a real thing for me. And I'm a little, I don't know. I feel like I, sometimes I, I, and I have a tendency to do this. I overanalyze myself in that situation. I become my own worst critic and I kind of let that mind fuck stop me. Uh, and, and that's not just in the hobby. That's in a lot of aspects of my life when it comes to things, uh, other outside of the hobby, the uh, things that I'd like to do, you know, or did do. Um, it's just something I've always dealt with. And, and I have a feeling at this stage in the game, it's something I'm going to be dealing with forever, right? It's just part of the, it's just part of my makeup. So I don't know. It's just, uh, you just kind of learn to get through them. And like some of these kids, some of these younger guys, man, they can just tear right through it. It doesn't bother them at all. They progress real fast because of it. Right. And, um, yeah, sometimes they can thrive I on it. Yeah. And I, I just let it creep into my brain and it just doesn't go away. Dude, I think on some level it hits everybody. So like, okay, check this out. Earlier today, I packed all my shit up and I went over to the park and I'm ready. I'm ready to get out of the car. And then I'm like, oh shit, I don't have my cell phone. And then my brain started to like overflow with these like negative, fearful thoughts like, Oh fuck! What if this thing has a mechanical failure and hits me in the face and I can't call anybody? What the fuck am I gonna do? Ah! And I'm like, oh no, you just gotta calm down, dude. Whatever, man. And then at that, and then the last waning thought I had, I was like, oh, I can't even take a picture of it when I'm done. And then I'm like, fuck this, just go fly. And then I went and flew, and it was just fine. I had a great time and did some really fun things with my heli that nobody else can see, and I didn't hurt myself or whatever. Right, but. and 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 that's typically the way it always goes, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's just it. And and I'm also well aware that these issues might sound very trivial, right? Um, and, and for the most part, they are. We're talking about toys, right? And it's, um, and I understand that. Uh, yeah, but I they have deadly I, toys, though. <laughs> you know, and I, I also understand that I just need to uh, get over it. I seem to be struggling with it worse coming back than I did back in the day, but I think back in the day I had much more time uh, to focus on it, right? To to get myself through it. Because I used to not worry at all about that kind of shit, right? Once I got past that initial, what you're going to do if it comes at you, kind of, <laughs> you know, comment. I mean, I was, I was flying all the time, all the time, every day, lived at the field, took a recliner to the field in my trailer, took naps out there. Yeah. And, um, had a great time and I kind of miss that. I, I really do. I miss that. I miss that the ability to just go and thoroughly enjoy the helicopters and, um, not worry about anything else. Right. Times have changed for me anyway. You'll get there. Spring is coming and we'll see how things pan out. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's just like anything else, you know, the doing the podcast kind of helps me keep in tune with it. Right. It, uh, for, for periods like this, I didn't foresee this when I took this job, I didn't foresee, you know, the six months or seven months ago when I took this job, I didn't see it turning into the absolute, um, time hog that it has become, which doesn't help. Uh, but it's a job that I took and I agreed to it. So I'm going to do it. And it's a, da- it's a damn good job, right? It's not, um, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, I don't know. Anybody have anything else they want to add? We're about ready to wrap this one up. Take that as a no. That is negatory. All right. All righty guys, we're getting ready to wrap this one up. But first, James, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? You know, the easiest way is, uh, Facebook or Instagram or, um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. James Cadiz on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm at the same place. All right. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you. Uh, Nick Wisdom at rchnv3.com. How about you, Scott? Well, I'm taking a bit of a hiatus from some social networking. Still have it, but I don't check it very often. So don't try and get in touch with me on Facebook. Um, <laughs> same with Instagram. I probably will not see it for a week or so. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, just send me an email, scott at rchnv3.com. How about you, Devin? Uh, Devin McClellan on Facebook, or you can get me at devin at rchnv3.com. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com. Dan, I don't know what my Facebook is. Dan K. Reed, I think. Yeah. I don't really do Facebook that much. Please check out our webpage, www.rchnv3.com. And we're also on Locals, if you're so inclined. Thank you, by the way, for the support on Locals. Rob, I wanted to get in touch with you. How would I do that? Senor de Denon. Not like the fruit. Okay, so if you want to get a hold of me, um, this one requires you to find the answer to a question for me and then just leave me a clue. I'll know that you've answered the question. I don't I can't answer your question. You need to answer mine this time. So what you gotta do is you got to go find either Tom Whitlock or Giorgio Moroder and ask either one of them if they know where exactly is the highway to the danger zone. And then I want you to take that highway until you find where they park all the airplanes, steal one of the F-14s, and then when you're in the air, go find um, Maverick. He's up there somewhere. And then pull his move on him fly inverted upside down above him, flip him off, and then slap a RCHN sticker on his canopy and fly away. He'll be pissed off, but he'll still do the uh, the fly by the tower. And I'll be in there doing um, tower training because I want to learn how to do that instead of just doing it in the sim. And I'll see your sticker and I'll know that you completed the task. Um, but if you're afraid to do that or you, you're afraid of the danger zone, uh, you don't know who Giorgio Moroder is. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, but you could just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, hit me up on Facebook at nextgenrcfb, uh, Instagram at nextgenrc, or youtube.com slash nextgenrc. That is unfortunate, Rob. I don't know who yeah. that is. Oh, do you you'll, never, me you'll never find the highway to the danger zone, Dan. Oh, I never will. I never will. It's uh, it's my burden. I'll, I'll be all right, though. Hey, here's a clue. You'll never ride a light cycle either. Okay. 
And on that note, guys, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. See you later. That was crazy, man. <laughs> wow. We need to get Rob wow. one of those. Y'all are weird. I think no, Rob we do would not. be insane with that. I had so much fun with that, man. <laughs> Go lower. Oh. Lower. Oh, my goodness. Rob's trying very hard. He just sounds like a 13-year-old boy. No lower. Now he sounds like someone who smokes too much. Lower.